Welcome to The Bittersweet Life. It's a show about letting go of the rope, so to speak, and what happens when you do. I'm Katie Sewell. Last year, I quit my stable job and moved to Rome. Now I'm back in Seattle, trying to figure out what's next. My co-host, Tiffany Parks, moved to Rome 10 years ago with no plan and made it happen. If you're new to the show, I encourage you to go back to the beginning to episode one and join us for the whole journey. There are a lot of great episodes in the past that you shouldn't miss. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we are experimenting with sound, would you say, Tiffany? (laughs) Yeah, we're trying to find a way to make the, not only the recording sound as good as possible, but also to make Katie's life as little complicated as possible as far as editing is concerned. Yes. And it's, it's not easy. It's turning, it's actually becoming more complicated than it was before. <laughs> now I have Tiffany set up in the most uncomfortable looking way possible. I'm standing on my head right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, she's doing a perfect headstand while recording herself on her iPhone, as well as with a microphone tethered to another computer other than the one we're talking to through Skype (laughs) and she's wearing a headset so that I can hear her uh, with the microphone kind of shoved into her hair so that it doesn't feed back with the microphone she's holding in her hand. Is that accurate? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is what we're doing for you. Let's hope you can hear us. That's that's our goal. So this may be worse but feel free to send us feedback at bittersweetlife at mail.com. Another thing we were thinking about was how different it is to be in this different time zones than one another. It's early in the morning for me and you've just gotten off work at home and how different that makes our dynamic between the two of us. Yes, because when you're, I don't know about you, but when I'm just been awake for about an hour, I'm completely in a different place than, than at 7 p.m. I'm not an evening person. I'm a, I'm a morning person. I have lots of energy in the morning. I am a almost always in a good mood in the morning. Not that I'm in a bad mood at night, but it just, it's, a different, it's just a different feeling. At 7 p.m., I'm like, oh, already starting to get tired and thinking about what I'm going to make for dinner and just not quite on. But that's me. Other people are night people, and they only come on at night. This is the issue because you're a morning person and I'm a night person, and now I'm forced to record in the morning and you're forced to record at night. But I just had a eureka. Actually, I thought this in, this morning. I had this thought this morning while I was brushing my teeth. I thought, what if we could record? I mean, I don't know if we're going to do this, but we could possibly record when it's 6 a.m. my time. Yeah. And what time would that be for you? 9 p.m.? We could do that. We could do that. I am a morning person, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a masochist. Like I don't, (laughs) (laughs) I don't like getting up at 5 a.m. Because I would have to be breakfasted to be able to record. Like I can't just get up and fly straight in. By the time I've been up for an hour and had breakfast, I'm good. Maybe we could do it at 7. But would 10 10 p.m. be too late for you? I don't know. That's the hard part. It always depends on what happened during the day, how tired I am. Because sometimes I'm just getting a second wind at 10 and sometimes I'm half asleep on the couch. (laughs) Yeah, I'm always half asleep or fully asleep. 
you could just take the computer into your room and you and Claudio could wake up with <laughs> with the bittersweet life <laughs> every morning. <laughs> Luckily, Claudio doesn't snore, so it, might, it could work. We could try it. I need to be done by eight and get to work on time. We'll think about that. That might make it better. We'll try it. But, you know, the thing about time zone as well is just it's complicated to find the right time to do anything, even just to call my mom. It's hard, and I never talk to my mom when it's the morning for me, ever. And I'm sure you remember this from when you were living over here. You have to kind of plan it. If you want to talk to your family across the world, you have to organize when that's going to be. And sometimes, especially if you're not a night person like me, you might be thinking all day, okay, I'm going to call my dad. It's my dad's birthday I got, or Father's Day or whatever. i got to remember to call my dad. i got to remember to call my dad. But you can't call him yet because it's too early. And by the time it's late enough, you've forgotten because you're getting ready for bed. This happens to me all the time. Have you found that it has significantly changed your relationship with them, would you say? I think so. I mean, I don't want to say changed my relationship, but I definitely don't talk to my dad as much as I would like. And I think the time zone, you know, a nine-hour time zone, that's, that's quite a big time zone. Uh, or sorry, time difference. I would like to, yeah, I would like to hear, I would like to talk to my family and my friends more. And I just, for whatever reason, don't always make the effort. It makes sense. I have to admit that for a while, I really enjoyed being in such a different time zone. You're all living in the same time zone. You feel like you should call all the time. And so maybe there's just this overlying guilt about not calling. But when you're in such a different time zone, and it's so much harder to arrange... The times when you do actually talk are more of a delight than a, oh, I haven't talked to them in four days. I probably should call. Do you know what I mean? It's not that, that makes sense. Yeah, it's not that you don't want to talk to them either time. It just feels different. It feels more like an appointment with a friend when it's harder to put together. Okay, I guess I guess that makes sense. Now I was just thinking, if you you right now are just uh, working freelance, you could make time for podcasting for interviewing people when when you want and that is enabling us to talk right now because it's 10 a.m for you and if you had your old job you wouldn't be able to talk to me at 10 a.m that's true and we would have been live on the air at 10 a.m yeah and it's one thing with your parents who you know probably by your late 30s your parents are retired so it's easier with your parents but if you have a friend or a sibling that you want to talk to and they are working when you are out of work and you're sleeping when they're sleeping and vice versa. That's when it really becomes hard. Because if you had a full-time nine-to-five job, when would we talk? The only option would be at seven o'clock in the morning for me, I think. Yeah. So the podcast might change just because. <laughs> yeah, or I might not even be able to go ahead. Well, I guess, I mean, there's always weekends. There's always weekends, but you know how weekends are. You've had a full week... The last thing in the world you want to do on a Saturday is sit in front of Skype with three microphones strapped to your body and talk to me. <laughs> uh, I would do it. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, to just think with time zones in general, just how different your day is from mine. When we link up, regardless of if we're in sync for this hour, our experiences are always going to be so different. I have a woman showing up at the house for an interview in 45 minutes and you're going to be eating some sort of pasta and heading to bed, you know, and that's going to be, we're just out of sync. 
Well, even more so if we were to record, like I was saying, with me in the morning and you at night, because it would actually be a different day. Yeah. For example, Thursday for me, Wednesday for you. Time I have a I have a friend who is from New Zealand, and her daughters obviously live there still. She lives in Rome, and when she and it's something like twelve hours difference, and that's got to be the hardest. <laughs> I mean, it's the most extreme. It's noon here. It's midnight. And I just wonder, that must be even more difficult to organize. <laughs> yeah. And then what if we were in different seasons also? Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. They're in different seasons. If I lived in South Africa and I was talking to my family back in Seattle, I would be in winter while they were in summer. Hey, speaking of South Africa, I have been doing a lot of communicating with some people in South Africa because I told you I'm doing that app project voice map and that's run out of South Africa. So I've actually Skyped with a couple of people who run this project and they're in the exact same time zone as me, mm. but they're in the middle of summer. You know, it's, it's interesting to be so far away, but yet still in the same time zone. That is interesting. Have you ever been to South Africa? No, I've never been south of the equator. I've been very close. I've been oh. to Singapore, which is just about as close as you can get, but I haven't passed have you been there? Oh, yeah, you have been there. You told me. you have Yeah, been well, there. so you've never seen the constellations that are in the sky when you're in the Southern Hemisphere. The most notable being the Southern Cross, which is just like a big giant cross in the middle of the sky. Now, forgive my ignorance, but wouldn't we see all of their constellations at the opposite season? No. Really? It's my understanding, no. Mm. If you're listening and you're a, a, an expert on constellations, please let us know if we're, if we're wrong on this. I would just assume, as an ignorant person, I'm not. I know nothing about astronomy. <laughs> <laughs> Even the word is puzzling. <laughs> well, I had to make sure I didn't say astrology, which you do know a little bit about. <laughs> which I definitely know more about than astronomy. No, my husband actually adores astronomy because I would have just assumed that we see all the constellations just at different times of year. But maybe that's not true. No, I don't think that's true. The Southern Cross is never in the Northern Hemisphere. Really? Well, I want to see that then. Here's something I learned from a friend of mine from Argentina. The toilet flushes in the opposite direction in the Southern Hemisphere. Yes, I've heard that. And I even and, was in the Southern Hemisphere, but I don't remember taking note well, of it. I mean, I don't, I don't even know. If you ask me which way does it go in here, I wouldn't know. I've never paid attention to that. But that's one thing. Another thing which is even more interesting is that the moon waxes and wanes from the opposite side. When the moon is waxing, it looks like uh, a sea. The brand new moon looks like a sea, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it's full. And then when it's getting smaller, when it's waning, it gets smaller towards the right. So it looks like a D, not really a D, but like the right half of a D. And so she said the way that they remember is crescendo and decrescendo. Crescendo in Italian or in music means growing and decrescendo means getting smaller. So it works there, but it doesn't work here. Here it's the opposite way. Huh. So I thought that that was interesting. Interesting. If you are interested in uh, the hemispheres. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone is. There's something for everyone in this podcast. If you're into astrology, or I mean astronomy. <laughs> See, I told you. Or if you're into astrology, 
now tell us something about astrology just so those uh, people can have something. <laughs> I I'm not I'm not a, a, an expert all I know is that I'm a Leo and that's the best sign <laughs> that's about it <laughs> I beg to differ <laughs> fellow Leos out there will definitely agree with me on this and they would right based on <laughs> personality <would>. type <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yep I know and you know Pisces are a close second which is what I am, which is why she's bringing that up. Yes, very interesting. Well, I um I don't remember anything about that from being in South Africa, but what I do remember is that um South Africa is where Shark Alley is. There's two mounds where all these uh sea lions and seals live, and they go from one mound to another and train their babies how to swim in this water in between the two mounds. And so the great white sharks just come through and have lunch there. You came into kind of close contact with a shark. Yeah, it was great. I can promise you that that is something I would never do in a million years. Well, that's why you should do it. No, 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 no. I would skydive before I would go in a shark cage. I would bungee jump. I would scuba dive into caves. That's insane. I would do... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would. I would do all of those things before I would go in a shark cage. But like, those things the, are so much more, well, maybe not skydiving, but those things are so much more dangerous than being in a shark cage. I know, but fear is irrational. I am terrified of sharks. I have been since I learned what the word was. I used to think, I used to be in a swimming pool. If I was in a swimming pool and I thought about a shark, I would have to get out. Just the thought of it. <laughs> That's how terrified I am of sharks. So Wow. Yeah, it would never, ever, ever happen. I remember I had this teacher once when we were, we, were, we were talking about fear and irrational fear particularly. She has this irrational fear of snakes. And, and, and she said, That's, my horror is being in a pit of snakes. And there's nothing in the world. I would do anything, literally anything, to avoid going in a pit of snakes. And I said, you know, she had a son who was one of my classmates. And I said, would you see your son killed? before going into the pit of snakes? And she's like, yes, I would. Because you don't understand, that would drive me to insanity. And that's how I feel about sharks. I think even if I was in a cage and it didn't touch me, it could possibly drive me over the edge. Really? That's fascinating. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I would face my fear and I would get over it, but I don't think so. I wonder where that comes from. So many people seem to be afraid of being in a pit of snakes, but where in the world do you ever end up in a pit of snakes? Never. If you're in an Indiana Jones film, maybe. Right. Is that why? Is that, I guess, obviously, Indiana Jones didn't invent a fear of snakes, the movie series. But, <laughs> but it is such I, a... I don't know. Maybe, maybe movies exasperate our fears or aggravate our fears. I think they give <laughs> us a, the word. They give us an illustration, I guess, of what it could be like. Mm-hmm. The image of a yeah. snake falling out of a skull or something. Snakes don't... St- scare me the way that um like a tarantula scares me like if you told me like here is a snake that is poisonous and here is a tarantula that is not poisonous I would sooner touch the poisonous snake and I think that that it just depends on the person what makes you squeamish the thought of a snake squirming up the leg of your pants or the thought of a tarantula climbing over your face and for me the tarantula is a thousand times worse but wouldn't it be worse rather than a tarantula, a little tiny spider going across your face? Things no, that could no, no, actually no. end up in orifices? No, 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 not at all. Because, I mean, I grew up in, you know, Seattle. As you know, I grew up 
near a lake. Spider and there country. were always spiders in our house, like constantly. And I mean, I was afraid of them, but I had to deal with them. Sorry, if you're me, you kill them. Sorry. But, what? um, Gosh. yeah, we used to, we used to vacuum them. Uh-huh. <laughs> that sounds so horrible. Don't send us hate mail, please. We were a family of women. I'm sorry. What is that supposed to mean? I'm, I'm a rescuer. To... There's been a spider in my house here for the last couple of weeks. And I, I just encounter him from time to time. He's going about his business. I just let him do what he's doing. Yeah, but you're not taking fear, irrational fear, into account here. True. I don't kill spiders because I am heartless. I kill them because the thought of them is so terrifying to me that I, I cannot deal with it. Hmm. And that's not the same for, like, a ladybug. <laughs> <laughs> I would save a ladybug. What would you say is your most irrational fear? I think tarantulas. That's true, because when would you encounter a tarantula except at the zoo? Well, no, I mean, if you travel into certain parts of the world, you could very easily... I mean, I was in Sumatra. I could have easily encountered a tarantula in Sumatra. That's true. But in day-to-day life? In day-to-day life, no. But for me, my irrational fears are so irrational that, like, if I think about... I mean, right now we're talking, and I'm, you're here, so I'm feeling not afraid... But if I were at home alone or even just in a room alone and the thought of a tarantula came into my mind, I would literally not be able to stop myself from like checking the floor and making sure there wasn't one. I think of a tarantula when I'm in bed. This is the worst. (laughs) I have to lift up the covers and make sure there isn't one in the bed. We should not be talking about this in the evening time (laughs) with you. I know, but that's when I'm in bed alone. If there's somebody else there, I'm okay. And this is the same for water. Like I said, I grew up by a lake. I used to be afraid, and and I really still am afraid, to go into water by myself. And it's not because I fear drowning. It's this irrational fear of... And not necessarily sharks, but like just the unknown of what could be under that water. Mm-hmm. If there is even one person there, even if they're not in the water, I'm not afraid. But if I am by myself, I have this ridiculous, irrational fear. And I can sometimes force myself to face it. But it'll hit me, like, and I'll have to get out of the water instantly. Like, I, almost a panic. Did you not know any of this about me? No. I didn't know the tarantula thing. The water, to a degree, makes sense to me. I'm never afraid to get in the ocean, but I'm more reluctant to get in the ocean now because there is so much in the water. Like, I've stepped on uh, crabs before, felt their little pinchers. Give me a warning. I've been stung by a jellyfish. And one time I was swimming in the water, just in the shallows, and a fin went past. And it was a dolphin. Which, oh, but it's... <laughs> but it scared me you're just not expecting to be in the water with such a large creature no yeah that's the the size scares me i'm not afraid of the little things in the water i'm afraid of the stinging pinching stabbing things no i'm i'm afraid of sea monsters the the (laughs) non-realistic things exactly (laughs) i am afraid of sea monsters i'm not joking have you ever seen the movie lake placid i mean that's the kind of movie you should not see if you have irrational fears of what's under the water. I was water skiing and I'm in the water. I'm in this beautiful freshwater lake in Idaho. And all of a sudden, the movie Lake Placid comes into my mind. And I'm like, there is an enormous crocodile right underneath me right now. I gotta get out (laughs) of the water now. I guess my fears are more irrational fears, which 
I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> it's probably good, I guess. Too many paintings of purgatory, I feel, Tiffany. You living in Rome. <laughs> it's always like these big, huge, mythical beasts eating people and dragging them down under the water. Ugh, yeah. I don't know that I have anything equivalent of an irrational fear. I, sometimes I imagine as I walk down the street that someone's going to drive by in a car and shoot me, which is, as I suppose, an irrational fear. Um, but... But uh, it's not super irrational. I would say it's less irrational than being afraid of an enormous giant crocodile in a, <laughs> in a freshwater lake. It's but more maybe probable. It's, it's more probable. It's probably less probable than encountering a shark in South Africa. Unless you're paying to do it, which I did. <laughs> may, no, in which case it's even less probable. Yeah. For those of you who like sharks, I highly recommend it. And I will also say this for people who save spiders take the house spider and they put it outside. I interviewed a spider expert a number of years ago and they said that that was the equivalent of a death sentence to the spider because it's a house spider, which means it can't live outside. But it wait a second, be- how can there be house spiders? I mean, houses are man-made and don't all animals have a natural habitat that they can survive in that don't have anything to do with man? Who knows? I mean, I don't I don't know if they evolved to have to be in built spaces. I mean, man has been building structures for a long time, so it's possible. Hmm. I don't really know that, but he did say that they're acclimated to being inside of a, a place, and so if you put them out into the elements... So you might as well outside, just vacuum them. Then they're just crawling around in your vacuum. Do you really want that? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I have to say we had this like special vacuum that just a tube, really, that was connected to like these pipes in the wall. So the spider didn't actually stay in the vacuum. It went into wherever all of that stuff went, which I don't even know because I was a kid <laughs> and I don't know where it went. But uh, I don't vacuum spiders anymore. Now I send my husband to kill them. Oh, yeah. No, he's pretty good about saving things. He will save something if he can. We were in um, southern Italy visiting his family and we encountered a little bird, which was probably a sparrow that had somehow been hurt and wasn't able to fly. And my husband's little sister, who was quite young at the time, maybe nine or ten, she was, of course, you know, immediately enchanted by this little bird. And so she picked it up, which, of course, you know, we were telling her not to do. But she didn't listen to us, and she picked up this bird and, of course, immediately dropped it. So it was even more hurt. And uh, so as not to upset her, Claudio like sort of sent her away and pretended everything was okay. In the meantime, he took this bird and he brought it to the veterinarian (laughs) and he left this little sparrow with the veterinarian with like 50 euros saying, please do what you can for this bird. So that's how he is. He's he's he will generally save creatures if he can. Oh, I wonder what happened. Did the veterinarian... I know. He probably just pocketed the money and, like, threw it out. Southern Italy, what can you do? But maybe not. You know, I like to I like to hope that maybe that bird had a chance. I don't know. Well, and in that spirit, if I do encounter a spider in my house, I'll give it a chance to get away. So, like, for instance, <laughs> the other day I opened uh, the cupboard to get out a glass, and there was a spider standing there. So I just shut the cupboard. <laughs> and I counted two minutes. And I reopened the cupboard and it was gone. Good enough. 
<laughs> out of sight. As long as mind. you stay out of my out of my way, it's good. Because I I always figure that they're doing a little cleanup around the house. There's a fly in here. Maybe they're taking it down. That sort mm. of thing. So, well, the thing about spiders is that they don't seem like dirty creatures. Mm-hmm. When you encounter a cockroach, it kind of it's like oh god, they're here because it's dirty. Whereas a spider, you don't get that same feeling of dirtiness from it. Yeah, he's a hunter. He's coming through because they're. He's checking it out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we should leave it there. Yes, we've kind of went off subject from time zones to irrational fears to saving insects. Yes, and we covered a lot of things today, so I feel good about it. <laughs> did. But yes, I have to go get ready for my interview now. So until next week, I will say, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for all the ways you support us. Give us a good rating on iTunes, maybe five stars if you like the show. It will help other people discover that we exist. Thank you. You're the best. <laughs>